Watching the impeachment, the Democrat, uh, the Republicans have closed their opening presentation. Sixteen hours of questioning coming up, but they have uh, recessed for the rest of the day. And the story that I have says that the Senate Republicans now are going to meet this afternoon on the witness question. What are they going to do about witnesses? And I guess it comes down to, you know, if they only have a couple of republicans that are going to defect over it then it's no big deal but if it's like four or five then you got to start talking well how many witnesses are we talking type of thing so you know know, and romney is in on this and collins and murkowski's i don't think that she wants to do it because she's so ticked off at nadler right now she can't see straight everybody familiar with how crazy she went last week when nadler basically said that this was just nothing more than a Republican cover-up. She went crazy. Grab the microphone there. Carl Kimball here today. Thank you for inviting me, Dave. Jan is sick, so Carl is in her place today (coughs) and and a good replacement for her. R.D. Hopper is here, as well as Paul Calvert. This is the last power panel for the afternoon show. Because we moved to the mornings next week, and it won't be Tuesday morning that they'll be here. They'll be here Monday morning to get your week underway the right way, I'm talking so, the issues. I'm just so <laughs> glad to have one last chance to be on the Dave Ellswick show, because I don't think I can get up early enough in the morning to be on your new show, Dave. <laughs> ah, you'll get up. You'll, only, come, you'll get up one day. It's only 6 o'clock, right? You know, just, I got to yeah, say that I, I, I get up. Get up a earlier, I'll get up yeah. at three o'clock. I know what I'm, I'm going very, to be doing. very seldom in agreement with Lisa Murkowski, but I think she had every right to be outraged oh, because was, that yeah. pustulant bag of dishonesty, Gerald Nadler, was actually accusing everyone in the Senate if they don't go along with the Democrats and give them exactly what they want, they're a bunch of traitors to America and violators of the Constitution. I mean, that's not any way to win over your jury. And I tell you what, when you look at Romney and the others, it's wanting to open up the can of worms. The House worked on this for 78 days. Mm -hmm. They had 78 days to call witnesses, get depositions, and get all their case put together. What, they kept it for, what, three weeks or a month before they, and I guess worked on it before they passed it on to the Senate? They had to put together all of their slides. Right, exactly. That's what. They put together said. their slideshow. So they did their slide job, their sleaze job, whatever you want to call it. And now they're putting it up here. Now the Republicans want to decide if they want to let the Democrats call more witnesses or not. Yeah. Are I'm, they crazy? Yeah, they I think it's crazy. Over with. Yeah. Yeah. If I was if I was one of those senators, I think that was uh, facing these 16 hours of questions. I think my number one question would be, good Lord, when will this ever be over? That's what the American people are saying right now. I mean, I it's, it's, it has not been an exercise in, in probative 
uh, uh, jurisprudence by any mean, and it certainly hadn't been a quest for the truth, and it certainly hadn't been in any way an attempt to protect the Constitution. These same lying hypocrites who are in the process right now of saying that the president is an evil scum for trying to affect an election by using his political power to, to affect the next election using taxpayer uh, influence or money. They're, they're, they're spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money to have this sham trial that doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of removing the president for the sole and only reason of trying to affect the 2020 election. So once again, Carl's maxim has proved, if you want to know what the Democrats are doing, just look what they're accusing Republicans of. And projection. they're in the midst of doing projection. it right now. It's always projection with them. That's all it is. They project what they themselves are doing yeah. That they want they're everybody to, to look the other way. They're, they're like a magician. They're trying to affect the next election. Don't look at my left malarkey. hand. <laughs> and, and they're saying, oh, uh, Trump uh, affected our ally and exposed <laughs> them to being overrun by the Russians. Well, what did Barack Obama do for four years? Sent them MREs and blankets. Yeah, sent them MREs and blankets. <laughs> yeah, Trump's and told done them he, more for them. Yeah, if all these representatives who were so outraged that Trump would hold up and what did he hold? Uh, about four weeks. He held up aid for about four weeks, and they didn't even know it. And and they, they didn't were, know it was held up. No, they, they didn't think they it did. was late them, yet. They didn't think it was voted, late yet. None of them voted to give Ukraine any aid in the first place. That's right. And now they want to impeach Trump because he held up the aid that they didn't want to give him for yeah. four weeks. It's insane. And then gave him aid that really had some bite to it. Yeah. Yeah, something you could shoot at somebody yeah. instead of sleep. Anti-tank Stay missiles. warm at night. <laughs> well, just like, just like they're saying that, that Trump's hurting the little guy and the Trump economy's no, hurting crap. the American people. Of course it's crap, Dave. You know that and I know that. But they're counting on their but being But I have to say ignorant. it, Carl. Yeah. Well, thank you. But, but, but they're, they're counting on there being enough ignorance among the American people out there that they can say, oh, the economy's terrible. It's so bad for all the poor, downtrodden people that, that the economy's doing this pseudo good. And, and they're coming up with the same level of integrity that they're bringing to their foreign policy arguments that we're endangering valued American allies because Trump held up uh, uh, the aid for four weeks. In the meantime, the, the guy that actually ended up with the money is completely ignored. Yeah, Hunter much Biden. The whole, yeah, with the exception of Fox <laughs> News and, and the Dave Ellswick show and, and a few other conservative talk shows. They're not given any concentration at all. The fact that the reason this whole thing came up in the first place is because Joe Biden was running the typical protection scam that Democrats always run, and they launder the money by having it given to their kids instead of directly to them. But the Biden family, like the Kerry family, like the Pelosi family, like all these big-shot Democrats, are raking in huge amounts of money to their personal benefit for essentially selling. Yeah, did I not mention Kerry? You forgot Kerry. I thought I'd mention him second, but I, I apologize if I left him out because he is one of the most egregious ones in the bunch. It yes, wasn't, he is. It He's wasn't disgusting. enough that, that it wasn't enough that that anti-American metal throwing slime ball manages to uh, get himself rich strictly by marrying rich women. Now he's and talking living about off now. He's talking about. The the Winter Soldier meetings back what in sixty nine yeah 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 when well no I think it was a little later than that but it was you may be right 
Uh, that's been 50 years, Dave. Yeah, I know. I have trouble remembering what I had for breakfast yesterday. A lot of water under the bridge, Betty. A lot of water on. But you're right. I mean, John Kerry is a slime ball. He really, really is. And they have all kinds of ways for Democrat politicians to enrich their families by using their positions of trust in the government. And then, and uh, I'd like to know, has Trump made any money? The only thing they're saying is that Trump improved his political position because of doing this. When has a Democrat okay, president wait a not now. improved his position? Since you happen to say that, all right, because Schumer attacked the president the other day about his, <clears throat> he, he, he's sure that his family, if they do a real big investigation, probably have made money off of uh, the Trump presidency. Let's, I, was I gonna, kinda doubt it. I was going to play something else, but I'll play what Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, yeah, had to say that. about that uh, today. And uh, here's what Rand Paul had to say. You know, I'm offended and shocked that Schumer would be so scurrilous as to accuse the president and his children of making money illegally off of politics when the only people we know who have actually made money off this have been Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. So Hunter Biden makes a million dollars a year. That's documented. But Schumer simply creates and makes up and says, oh, maybe the president's kids are making money. John Bolton is making money as we speak. He's probably already gotten a several million dollar advance for this book. He's making money by testifying against the president. The only people we know that have actually made money, Hunter Biden and now John Bolton. And they're not objective. John Bolton's not objective in any way now that he's been cashing million dollar checks. But to have Schumer come up and say out of the blue, maybe the president's kids are making money with no evidence at all. That's defamation and they ought to sue him. Senator, I hear the anger in your voice. You think this is a misstep for Senator Schumer? Uh, to now to bring the president's children into this? Well, it's a transference. We've been talking all along about the president asked that corruption be investigated in Ukraine, and the evidence is he out there projection. that Hunter Biden was getting a million dollars while his dad was busy firing the prosecutor that was going after Hunter Biden's company. That's all in the record. There's nothing in the record about the president's kids. So Schumer just has created this whole thing out of whole cloth and said, oh, well, why don't we just go after the president's kids? We don't know yet whether or not the president's dealings with the Chinese president have something to do with the Trump's making money. Mm-hmm. He just made it up, completely made it up. Senator, that is defamation of character, and he ought, to, he ought to go to court and be sued for it. I love it. <laughs> Thank well, you, I, Senator I, Paul. I joined Senator Paul in being offended, but I'm hardly shocked, because that's the kind of low-life, scurrilous sleazeball that Chuck <laughs> Schumer's been since he first came to Congress in the 90s. Am I wrong? You are exactly right. <laughs> Remember, well, he was in Congress back in the 80s. <clears throat> I mean, he was there with uh, when Reagan was president. Remember, it was him along with uh, who was the Irish guy that was there. It was Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill. And they're the ones that uh, screwed Reagan about, you know, supposedly protecting the border if Reagan would go along yeah. with the amnesty. Yeah, that was, that was a typical Democrat deal. It really I'll gladly was. pay you Tuesday there for a go. hamburger today. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's and exactly you know, what's going 80s. on. You know, they're talking about bribery and everything. You know, back in the 80s, remember the 55 speed limit in the 80s? That mm-hmm. if the states, you know, there is a 10th Amendment. That I think it's still there last time I read. But back the in most the most ignored amendment. Yeah. yeah. But back in the 80s, you know, if you don't, if the states wouldn't cut the speed limit to 55 miles an hour, they were funds. going to cut off their state highway yeah. funds. And then then it come up to the drinking age. Do you want that to know what? The states you know what's bad about the what, you, what you're bringing 21. up? A lot of people think it was Carter 
that did the 55 was not Carter. It's Nixon. It was it? Nixon who did it. I mean, wow. Nixon drove me crazy. That's why I could never vote for the man. Yeah, but it, it was a continuous. They've done that four or five times. It's been the drinking age. It's been the speed limit. It's well, been sure. motorcycle helmets if you don't see, do the and, motorcycle and helmets. Right. This is what happens when you get in bed with the devil. And see, our federal government has Are all you calling the federal government the devil? Metaphorically. <laughs> are you, because, are, are you because, defaming be, the devil? Because, <laughs> because if, you take, if you take their money, then they own you. That's exactly and, right. And that's the thing. Our, the federal government has all this money. Where'd they get it? Took us. it from us. Or, yeah, they stole it from it, us. Or printed it and made it up as if it existed when it didn't. And Arkansas One of the two. has a serious problem with that. They do. No, yeah. Arkansas has but, a serious problem. Because we cannot survive if we don't get our federal government because we're kicked a, back. We're a dead state. Therefore, right. we have to do whatever the feds say. Because raise got, the raise the, the the drinking age. Sure. Lower the amount of alcohol in your blood system for you to be legally drunk. Sure. Do something with the speed limits. Anything. Put else. on a seatbelt or get a ticket. We can't do it. Out of school. Outlaw yeah. billboard signs on yeah. private property. And, and, and you know, some of these things on may the be teat. good ideas. On, we're on the teat heavy. That, that we should we should make a monument for the state of Arkansas. What, what, what a big sow with a bunch of little pigs. Yeah. A bunch of politicians. All of it should the, say uh, uh, Arkansas uh, uh, politicians. Hey, it's free let's, money. A, a new it's form free, Oh, yeah, it's free Medicaid money. Yeah. But, but let's with, even stipulate. A, a new mascot for, the, for Razorback. <laughs> let's even stipulate, Dave, that maybe some of these things are good ideas. But even if they're good ideas, no. they're good ideas that the state should implement and the state That's should pay exactly for. That's exactly right. And, and the problem is we've allowed the federal government to become so enormous and it takes so many people to run it. This is why this is why Virginia is turning blue is because the northern half of Virginia is being overrun with people that are being hired to administer out of Washington, the massive, D.C. massive wealth that's being sucked out of the rest of the country into Washington to then be meted out to us again in exchange for our obedience. We're not that far off. There's, I mean, I, I understand it's not as bad as what they did in the Soviet Union. Not but it, it's a lot of it is the same kind of thought process: yeah, centralized government, exactly. centralized power and money. Where the money is centralized yeah. is where the power is centralized. But then you go right here to Little Rock, and you see our state government run the state the way the federal government runs the country. They no, centralize their money, and the, they don't let the and, counties and, use their own hey, money. If there is one thing that 75 years of the Soviet Union proved, it's that central planning does doesn't not work. work. Never, never has, works. never will. I, I seem to remember an email going out, you know, to the counties and the cities and to even school superintendents that said that if we don't get Medicaid expansion passed in the state of Arkansas, that they will not be able to give them the funding. Let me, give you, another, let me give you another one. All right. I remember a a and a text that went not text it was a letter at that time that went out to school districts saying hey look if you vote to get rid of the food tax we're not going to be able to do anything in education we'll be a third world nation here in Arkansas because some of the and I know Carl remembers that world. as well. That's terrible. You mean we're not a third world nation anymore? I mean, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget driving down six thirty past past Children's Hospital mm-hmm. with this huge sign on the side of it said "Vote Against Act 
the food tax and had a skull and crossbones next to it. Oh yeah, they had they had literature portraying me as the grim reaper come yeah. to take away your police and your fire departments and your schools. It was incredible and may I remind you, it was a Republican governor that mm-hmm. was in office at mm-hmm. that time. All right, got to get a break in. When we get a break, I've got a piece of of audio I got to play for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to play it and then when we come back the, the deafening sound of silence before the laughter starts will amaze you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Okay, so we're back, and we didn't really go anywhere. We've been sitting here and, and arguing amongst each other. but the, And we're going to talk about something in, in a moment that uh, Paul brought up because it's a legitimate kind of gripe, but... People depend on the government so much anymore to, bail us to out. wipe their butts that you get into these kind of situations. Yeah, well, almost that is metaphoric. <laughs> Hopefully, but, well, there, there's some okay. reality too. You talk about Medicaid, Medicare. Yeah, well, well, in that now. case, it's literal. <laughs> All right, I want you guys to hang on. I want to play a piece of audio for you. This comes from someone that we all follow, and here's what they had to say. Cut seven. I know that you're not running, but do you ever feel the urge that, like, I could beat him if I were? Or, like, I wish I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I certainly feel the urge because I, I feel like the 2016 election was um, really an odd, uh, an odd time and an odd outcome. And the more we learn, the more that seems to be the case. But I'm going to support the people who are running now and do everything I can to help elect uh, the Democratic nominee. <laughs> I feel the I urge. Could, I had to. I had to play that for you guys. I you feel gotta the love urge that. To upchuck everything mm. she said after that is a lie. <laughs> she has the. I'm gonna. I'll support whoever they want. However, I have the urge to run. Are you listening? <laughs> Choose me again. Lord help the Democrats. By the way, if you didn't realize that, that's Hillary. Yeah, she'll be, you know, if Trump wins this election, which he should, and... and I don't see how he can't. And uh, I mean, with the Democrats' help, you know, the Democrats <laughs> are helping, helping him all, a lot. all they can, but with the Democrats' help, he's, his numbers are better now than well, Barack Obama's. But you his know, approval rating is better than Barack Obama's approval rating at this point. He is up six points. Since they stopped the hearing in the House and began the presentation in the Senate. But you know, I don't put any credence, Dave, in those polls because I know that there are probably millions of people out there that are like me that won't answer a phone call from a pollster, won't <laughs> take a poll, and won't vote for whoever the socialists put up. I think that uh, if they if the polls say... He's up six points. He's up if 60. he doesn't win by 11, I'm going to be oh, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. But what, what I was saying, though, when he wins this election, and he should, then uh, Hillary will be back. Hillary, don't be. think for a minute. <laughs> Just give her four years. If she can, you know, re, regain her the, sanity Even when enough, she's got oatmeal drooling out of the corner of her back. mouth, she'll, she'll be, be back. She'll be back. You can tell by the tone of her voice. It's griping her to death not man to be i've in the been sick of, of those people for half of my life 
Yeah. I've been wishing for half of my life, and I'm no spring chicken. I've spent half of my life wishing those people would just go the heck away. But you know what? She won't. There, no, there, I don't think she will. I agree with you, Carl, but let me tell you, there has been other people that's accomplished what they could not accomplish to move the socialist agenda of the Democrats and some Republicans since they left. They tried to pass. They tried to pass socialized health care while they were in the state of Arkansas. In 1993, they tried to do it nationally, and it was a huge bust. It was yeah, single payer too. Yeah, single, it was single payer. payer. All right, so she wanted to take, take over break. everything. Got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't forget, starting Monday. I'll be on at 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. I know that you're not running, but do you ever feel the urge that, like, I could beat him if I were? Or, like, I wish I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I certainly feel the urge because I, I feel like the 2016 election was um, really an odd, uh, an odd time and an odd outcome. And the more we learn, the more that seems to be the case. But I'm going to support the people who are running now and do everything I can to help elect uh, the Democratic nominee. I'm going to tell you what. She's like a bad case of jock itch. She just keeps coming back. No matter how much you rub that cream in, it still itches <laughs> it's again still, It day. still burns, man. I'm just telling you. Uh, That's the best description of Hillary Clinton I think I've ever heard. I'm just saying seriously. Jock itch. That's what she, she is. Jock she really, she, everything she said. After what she said at the beginning means nothing. She just said, yeah, I have that urge because, you know, I, I look at the way that it happened, blah, blah, blah. In 2016. I was cheated. I was cheated. Yeah. She wants, I got the urge to purge. If they get into the into the, the Democratic National Convention and it becomes a broker convention, do not be surprised. If Bill they will be bending don't, elbows that's and right, shaking If they don't turn to Hillary and say, please save us. And then run again and get her butt handed to her. Again. Oh, if they man. think Bernie Sanders is going to beat Donald Trump, they've got another thing well, coming. I think that's just kind of amazing. And we though. already know that Hillary Clinton can't. Yeah. Because if she couldn't four years ago, I guarantee she can't now. No. Go ahead. Yeah. I, Go I ahead, just think Paul. it's kind of amazing, though, that, that Bernie Sanders is getting that much traction. He's pretty far out there. He's a well, pretty I, far. Our he's public, way far. He is our way public far. school systems and our <laughs> colleges are doing a better job than we thought they were. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly and right, Art. And we're doing it a lot earlier than we thought because yeah, he's not exactly a young right. guy. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's the thing is that public education and universities as well it is a huge influence on children. And, it, and and what's sad about it is there's a lot of fairly decent conservative people who are helping to pay for this nonsense. Yes, that's exactly and, and right. An obscene amount really? since the yeah. universities cost so much. I don't understand days. why people here in this country send their kids to even the U of A, and I'll get some pushback, but if, if they're going into business or they're going into politics or whatever, you know, some kind of you know, international kind of work for companies. If you're sending them to a public education now, Robert Steinbach, I tell you, they're getting they have an a agenda. they're getting a huge liberal, you know, fix. They're starting to cre- teach create, uh, you know, evolution. They're starting to teach evolution, you know, very early right now. I mean, like first and second. But grade. here's the key: no. parents aren't paying attention. No. They're not, Dave, and I, then I they voluntarily well, write an extra check to the mm-hmm. to the to the universities to further 
finish off the brainwashing of their children yeah. into socialism. I think that I've said it before on your airwaves, Dave, that every vote for Bernie Sanders is a condemnation of American education because nobody that is well-educated, that understands the least bit about economics, the least bit about human behavior, or, history, or the least Carl. bit about the history of the last hundred Thank years, you, could possibly think that Bernie Sanders' presidency could be anything but a total disaster for our country. But We'd maybe, be headed but for the ash sa- heap of history. What's scary is maybe they do understand economics. Maybe they well, do understand what's going on. Maybe they're actually li- working out some well, of their power. Some some of their belief system that the world is overpopulated, or that the, right. or that that they literally believe that. Um, they need to control people. They need to have the power to exterminate huge quantities of people. Did you guys read any of the article no. from Sunday's paper about the uh, pro-choice march that they had downtown? They had about 500 oh, people. Were you there? You. Oh, pro-choice. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Pro, no, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. pro-life. I was pro-choice. the pro-life. Okay. Yeah. The pro-choice, the, the pro-death march, mm. as I like to call it. The baby them. killer march. Did you see who was talking? Joycelyn Elder. Did you see what oh, really? she said? She said that uh, we got to have abortion rights because we're close to overpopulation. Jocelyn, get a new argument. That's been around since the 60s, and we haven't done it yet. All right. Yeah, the, the population of the world has doubled since they started using that argument. That's and right. fewer people are starving. I tell you Thanks what. Thanks to capitalism. Well, that's, that's exactly that, right. The, the, the cool thing, remember there's a, there was a book written, I guess it was back probably in the 1700s, called Wealth of Nations. Uh, I think it, who was that written Adam by? Adam Smith. Adam Smith, maybe? Adam Smith. But you, you remember a what? A very, what, very influential book. Do you know what that, what the Wealth of Nations was? It was that, that, that was, it was the title of the book, but do you know what the Wealth of Nations was? It was labor. Probably a power grab. It, it was labor. And so... His idea, and I believe he was correct, was that nations become wealthier with more people. That's what makes with more people with working. more people working, right? right? <laughs> yeah, more right, people, right, people yeah. sucking right, at the right, right? No, no, yeah. right. But the thing is, though, that that as we as population increases, kind of the collective intelligence, if you will, and that's maybe not the best word for it, but but the the the, the knowledge um, collection, if you will. It goes up, and so so the more of us we have out here thinking of of new new ways to solve problems, sure. and the more of us there are, the more more of us can be specialized in sure, things we're good sure, at. Sure. The and problem is though that must be capitalism that does it. And through a, socialism, your system yeah, does not it shuts, work. It shuts, your system it shuts, only works with capitalism. It shuts it people down a lot. that are trying to figure out and, how to make a better bass trap and how to right, how to improve right. the, the livelihood of right. their family. And even with socialism, even with a lot of this stuff, it stifles it to a great extent, but it still doesn't totally shut it off because the fact is that people like you and I we still have problems, so we try to solve them. Even when government is, is strangling us, we still try to f- solve problems. Well, see, now, we don't do it as efficiently But the government puts a gun to your head and pulls yeah, the see, trigger. I, I think that you guys right. just, just <laughs> drew so up cases. the true uh, demarcation between capitalism and socialism, between the philosophy that Donald Trump has been more or less following uh, that's caused the explosion of economic success and the Bernie Sanders model well, and, and, is on and, one hand and, capitalism gives the most people the most freedom to make the decisions that they want to make to make them happy 
in their lives, whereas socialism is the smallest possible group of people telling everybody else how to live every aspect of their lives. Whether you like it or not. Right. And, and, or I'll and, kill you. Right. And, and free market capitalism. Everybody be equal at that point. Yeah. Well, well, like, like the example um, RD gave with making a better mousetrap. Well, with, with free market capitalism, you know, I can go to my shop and go work on building a new mousetrap, try to figure out a better way to do it. But with socialism, it's like I have to put on a snorkeling mask and, and maybe – and, 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 and so by the time I actually get to start working on the mousetrap, I've got gloves that are three inches thick and I've got – it's basically impossible to work because socialism is such a strangle, strangling factor that, yeah, I might figure out how to improve the mousetrap a little bit, but, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very inefficient as opposed to in a free market capitalist system – you know, I can work efficiently, and I don't have somebody over here with their with their boot on my neck. The heart and soul of socialism is central planning, which is to say, as with Medicare for All, that the central planners are going to reach out and control everything about your life. How many pills you're allowed to take or have to take. Well, if you wear a motorcycle helmet or not. And, and kinda, all, all those things. And how many calories you're allowed to eat. And I think yeah, some of that yeah. kind of comes back to this this um, kind of, oh, what do you call it? Sort of a, um imperialistic or um, I'm better than you type um, yeah. caste system that, 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 you, that, you, that you would have seen over in Europe where this, well, the little people, we can't trust them to make their own decisions. We're going to rule their lives for them like they're, they're little serfs. We need to actually – they're not capable of making their own decisions. Yeah, that's what and, I, and, that's, and that's kind of the fundamental belief. That's what I need the government to do is protect yeah. me from well, see, myself. Right. right. That is, that you're is clearly <laughs> too stupid to, 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 to wipe your own behind when you use the bathroom and, 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 and tie your own tennis shoes. And that's why they give you Velcro. See, and that is one of the greatest ironies of socialism is it arises uh, in the days when Europe was leaving elitism and uh, of the uh, nobility type behind anyway. It's still not entirely wiped out, but it it was already becoming marginalized and less important a part of their economy and a part of their lives. But it it, it arose on the theory that we're going to get rid of all of these elite lords and ladies and nobility who are telling us what to do, and the masses are going to rise up and we're going to have freedom. But the thing is, the freedom they got was to be dominated and ruled by an entirely different set of leaders. They're they're just chosen by the party instead of chosen by random birth. It sounded like you talked about when they passed the Magna Carta. And they thought it was going to really change things, and it took... How many hundreds of years uh, well, to really change things? It was it was almost six hundred years before our constitution, uh, but the Magna Carta was through. extremely important because it marked the uh, limitation of the royal power, and and it was done for the benefit of the nobility and not the little guy. <laughs> but it was the first time that there was an actual document kind of, down. Uh, of a of a legal sort that was to put limits on the king, because up until then, the king was considered to have a divine right from God to do whatever he wanted to with you, including kill you. 
anything That's that he right. wanted to do. God said he was king, so therefore he could do anything it, he wanted. That, and the it, Magna Carta puts the first lid on that. And then there are other lids that get put later on on, on other governments. But to get that lid but, on But them, you had to start at the top. A lot of people had to die on. to get that lid on them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course, King yeah, John turned around and violated it. Yeah, yeah. 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 before and after. Died I'm just after because after they got the noose out around of his neck and he rode out back to the capital, he threw it in a trash can. Yeah, it killed them all. Pretty much true. Well, that was, <laughs> but, 12, it was but it needed to be done. Yeah, well, that was, that was twelve fifteen. So there's yeah. so there's not quite what's that about about uh, 25, 35, 40, about forty years about uh, said so be about five hundred and sixty years from there to our constitution. So about, we're about eight hundred years and we're still fighting. That for was kind of like the Alamo. Yeah. It was a big loss, but it needed to be done, and it woke people up, and, yeah. and they come back and. And uh, remounted the, the battle and, yeah. and did it because again. people still came back to it and came back to it, kind of like That's our exactly kind of like right. in the Declaration of Independence, That's the way the truth where it says, is. All, uh, "We hold these yeah. truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal." Well, we did a pee poor job of exemplifying that in our relationships with our black brothers and sisters exactly for a couple right. hundred years and, there, and Native but, American, Native but American. we kept going back. To that and trying and, to change and, it, and eventually the fact that we had founded our country with that as our core philosophy, we were able okay. gradually to make that more and more of a reality. And, and think, aspiration and, is reality, and, and I think part eventually. of I think part of the reason why that came about was that they they were kind of dumb back then. They literally thought that black people were not even human. Some people thought right. that so, way. And, Some and, people did not. And, Some and, people still think that well, today. Right, right. Yeah. You're right. And the so, percentages and, have changed radically. Right. I think yes. you're right. But the thing is, though, that if you had that as a premise, as a foundational belief, then yes, you might actually treat yep. black people like they were less than human, and that's logical. It does not it's not moral. Well, we had we had black Americans fighting on our side during the American Revolution, and they felt like they were fighting for their freedom the same mm-hmm. as the rest of us mm-hmm. were, and deserved it every bit as much as the rest of us. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Ford, former professor at UALR, economics professor, will join us. One of my buddies right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. One of my favorite dudes (coughs) who has had me over to his house for dinner, and the conversation is, I got to think that the dinners that I had at Ford's place was like what, what, what William F. Buckley used to do when he would have dinners and people would go and then there'd be this discourse that would be happening around the table and stuff. That's what happened at Ford's place. He's going to deny that, but I'm just saying that's what happened. What do you got for us today, Ford? Using fancy words, are you discourse? Anyway, (laughs) another thing, let's uh, uh, straighten out. I'm still a professor there. I just oh, okay. the emeritus professor. Oh, okay. You're you're a special professor now. Okay. Well, retired is what that word. <laughs> yeah, means. I understand. Words. Okay. But you were you were talking about uh, some time back uh, great books about economics. Yes. Well, I still have my uh, reading group. Oh, really? I still work with students, and uh, we read books. And I want to tell you a couple that. Uh, is uh, on the Kindles now. Okay, good. I'm uh, always first, I'm always up for new books. Go. Okay, the first one is titled "Socialism Sucks: Colon Two Economists Drink Their Way Through the Non-Free World." Okay, <laughs> I want to read Great that. Book. Okay, second book: "Socialism, Comma The Failure That Never Dies." 
That's true. Isn't that the truth? It really is. That's the truth, Ford. I got to get you on and let you talk about those. So how how's that? Well, yeah, I I do get up early in the morning. Okay, good. Well, then you'll be perfect for my show now, starting next week. Yeah, you know, if you want me to come in at this time, frankly, I'm getting ready to go in and drink beer. So (laughs) mornings work better. A man after my own heart. (laughs) All right. All right, I'll have you and have uh, Carl on to discuss, because I'm just telling you, with his historical background and your economic background, it would make for a powerful half or full hour of my show well we'll work on that all right brother you have a have a good day all right all right later thank you very good yeah ford he's a good man that was a good discourse yeah he's i mean he really is the man when it comes to econ he used to have the freshman course and he used to talk about asking questions about to find out where his class was and you know, Were they the usually whole, in the, the same whole place? Thing, the whole thing of mines full of mush, I think Ford would agree to that, <laughs> buddy. He would agree to mines full of mush. I tell you what, Randy Alexander, when he was in, a, in the guy. house, uh, did some research and found out at the time, which would have been about six years ago, that only 10% of the state education money came from the federal government. And there was a lot of... Street, 90% of the rules come from the federal government. 90% of the rules in... I think with a little research, when you looked at all the rules and the paperwork and all the stipulations and the strings that came with it, better we would probably be better off without it. But the problem is, is there wouldn't many be as many people that had jobs it's an if employment you lost that program. And, and Specifically, superintendents and principals upon principals upon principles it's and, and like a drug dealer that says and, here just take these little pills first ones are free yeah what about the economic stimulus from all this federal money coming in so even and if the, we don't even if it doesn't pay for all the 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 um the added strings we get this economic stimulus that comes from the money and so therefore the state wants it and the problem is Republicans need to have the principles, as you brought up that yeah. word. Well, yeah, Republicans principles. need to have the principles, yeah. principles to take our schools back and to make mm. sure if the socialism is taught in the schools that also free market and freedom is taught in the schools. There needs to be an equal amount of time spent on creation and evolution and the equal amount of time to put spent on socialism and free market well, I'm, I'm at sorry, least they, make it a level playing field they, i know i know what they, you're going to say they don't Paul, have but. to teach socialism they immerse children in socialism they don't have to say a word about it they immerse children into it you don't have to tell tell a fish it's wet it doesn't know it a fish is wet you, you don't have to convince a fish that it's wet you don't even have to let him know if you tell if you try to convince a fish that he shouldn't be in the water He'll think you're stupid. All right, let me yeah. let me. I'm read. flopping around in the shore in this analogy. <laughs> I want to I want to go back and I want to talk just for a second because we, we're running out of time. We're almost through the first hour of the show today. Principle, by. a noun, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. That's principle P-L-E. Yes, that's P-L-E. Not P-L-P-A-L, which is like the principle of the school. The main guy. Yeah, I'm just telling you, this principle does not exist 
in many of the political parties now. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's a that's, a that's true. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not making it up, feel, and I'm not feelings. being ugly about right. it. It is just what it is it's, right it, now. What, right, what, uh, main, what, what satisfies the nature of principles today is that oh, it feels good, or this is popular, or uh, but this, the main this, overriding this principle reasonable. for both political parties dollars. now is give me the power. Dollars. Give me the what, the power. power. So I can take your I can take your dollars if I got yeah. the power. I can take your dollars. And if I've got your wallet. And I've got your health care. And, and that's all that we're seeing let me going tell on you in Washington what, brother, now. It's a power I play. got you. It's a power play to try and get control over our well, lives. All they don't have right now <laughs> is your soul. I'm just <laughs> telling you, they don't have your soul. Well, and there, but and some people have sold their souls, Paul. Uh, unfortunately, I'm afraid they have our souls to a great extent here in America. Don't have mine. Well, and, and uh, uh, but to they a large have yours, ex- don't have mine. to a large extent, I'm afraid they do have a lot of American souls. It's, it's well, they've sold their soul. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with yeah. that. Shoot, Hillary's belonged to Satan at least since 1976. <laughs> <laughs> when did she marry Bill? Was it, it, wasn't it was about 76. Okay. So oh, man. Whenever Standing with the devil. I tell you what, when a freshman comes in, whether it be the state or the federal government, the seniors, the seniors will call them in and say, you know what? I know you got elected to come up here to get some great things done and to do some things for your district. And we're going to work with you to make do that. But, you know, we all need to work together. That's right. If you we want to do to it, you've got to do what we want to do. That's exactly Total right. line. You Total help line. us with our goals, and we're going to help you accomplish your goals. If we work together, we can get a lot accomplished. But the word principles <laughs> does not come up with that conversation. All right. No, when we come not. back, when we come back. A guy that I really just hardly agree with in a lot of things except for his love of the Constitution, Alan Dershowitz. And I've got some uh, pieces of audio I want to play for you that are right on. uh, This is from yesterday. And uh, when he talks about foreign policy, he has always operated on quid pro quo. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 101.1 FM, The Answer. Don't forget, starting Monday, I move to the mornings. I'll be on from 6 a.m. until uh, 9 a.m. And uh, Sean Hannity coming on in the afternoons from 2 to 5, followed by, and we haven't been talking about this a lot, Jay Sekulow. He'll be on for an hour. That's the president's legal beagle. He's He's going to be on. So it is the most conservative talk station in Little Rock. You believe in conservatism? Keep it right here at 101.1 FM. Uh, The answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Second hour of the final afternoon show for a Tuesday. The Davos doesn't mean that I'm leaving anywhere. I'm going to the morning. The world is upside down, Dave. It's gonna be it's gonna seem that way probably next Monday for me. <laughs> 
uh, mm-hmm. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. In fact, R.D. will be there. Paul will be there. And I'm hoping Jan's there if she's well, you know, that she'll be here as well and uh, ready to do uh, the power panel on a early Monday morning. So that's I, where I, I don't have anywhere near this much to say before 9 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up, Kitty, making coming up in the, at, the morning, afternoons, too. you got Rush at 11 to 2. You're going to have Sean Hannity, 2 until 5 o'clock. I had somebody that uh, sent me a text uh, the other day, and it said, Wow, Rush then Hannity, and I still get Ellswick in the morning. This is the best of all worlds in radio. <laughs> and i I got to tell you, I'm really happy that you feel that way, but that's the way it's going to be, and uh, we're looking forward to doing it. And then Jay Sekulow. This station has just gotten better and better since you've been on it. Everything's Dave. getting better, and it has since, since Mr. Hoot, that is our new GM here, has got here just about six weeks ago. Exciting things have happened here at this uh, radio station. And then when some radios, big radio corporations make real dunderhead decisions, it makes the station better. I won't get into it. I'm just saying. You look better compared to the idiocy of the competition. Yeah, I'm just telling you. That's just the way it is. All right. I wanted to talk about Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz is a liberal. Make no doubt about it. However... He believes in the Constitution of the United States. Amen, bro. He really believes in it. He's a civil rights kind of guy, and I'm a civil rights kind of guy. That's You know, I, I believe in the First Amendment to the point that I believe you can say whatever you want to say as long as it's not yelling fire in a crowded theater. I really he believe that. OJ. Yep, he was part of that. He really was. But. Let me play some things that he said yesterday. If you didn't watch the defense uh, for Trump, you missed some good stuff. I mean, there really was some good stuff that they they brought forth in in their uh, uh, talks. And Dershowitz was the best. I love Alan Dershowitz. So he made the statement, I would be making the same constitutional argument if Hillary were president. All right. Because there's constitutional principles that doesn't matter who's in the office. They apply. There's that word principles again. They, yeah, boy. He may be the only person involved in this whole thing who would be saying the exact same thing no matter who the president was. That's exactly impeached. right. So let's start off with this. I want you guys to listen to this. And uh, this is cut number eight. And he's talking about this whole thing about the impeachment. Listen to what Alan Dershowitz says. In order to conclude that such mixed motive actions constitute an abuse of power, opponents must psychoanalyze the president and attribute to him a singular self-serving motive. Such a subjective probing of motives cannot be the legal basis for a serious accusation of abuse of power that could result in the removal of an elected president. Yet, this is precisely what the managers are claiming. Here's what they say. Quote, Whether the president's real reason, the ones actually in his mind, are at the time legitimate. What a standard. What was in the president's mind, actually in his mind, what was the real reason? Would you want your actions to be probed for what was the real reason why you acted? 
even if a president were and it, it, it clearly shows, in my mind, that the framers could not have intended this psychoanalytic approach to presidential motives to determine the distinction between what is impeachable and what is not. Wow. Wow. Huh? That's awesome. Well, and, that, and that is that is interesting because the fact is that, you know, if you do if someone does the right thing, but you question their motives. You know, there are maybe a, a few odd examples where that that might be a, a relevant situation. But if you don't know their motives, should you not, should you not just assume their motives are good? But tell yeah. me, Carl, what was your motives? What were you thinking you when know, you proposed to your wife? What I were would, your motives? Yes. You see what I'm what, saying? What I didn't think about I would, that. I would like to hark back to 1968. When Frank Zappa said it best. Here we go. Who are the thought police? There you go. It's the truth. (laughs) It's true. He put it better than anything. What happened is undisputable. We read the phone conversation. It's on the Internet. The Democrats. But what was in his mind? But what was in his mind? See, that's what they're saying. Yeah, the Democrats are saying that the only reason that he ask for that investigation was to win the next election and so, there's other people says well you know he may have been wanting to cut corruption out and make sure that the Biden might have been wa- getting taxpayers money he might have been They're wanting arguing. to drain the swamp that's exactly right so you got two sides arguing about what the motivation was of an undisputable phone call and undisputable and fact None of us know what his motivation and really was. And it shouldn't really make and any difference. it doesn't make any difference. Unless he came out and said, you know what, I need to get some of these, this, this political pressure off of me, so you need to, you need to go ahead and do, start this investigation. If he had said something like that, then okay, his motivation might have been criminal. But if it's just a, an assumption, well, we're going to surmise that he's just trying to, to... This is why I completely detest hate crimes. Exactly. Because it's the thought police. It's criminalizing your inner thoughts. And and this is nothing can be more against the First Amendment. And this is what the First Amendment says you can express your opinion no matter how no matter how repugnant your opinion because of the First Amendment, you have a right to express your opinion, even if most people find it repugnant. Under the Democrats' policies, you don't even have the right to have thoughts that they consider Republican or repugnant and, and or Republican either one for that matter and and they're the sole judges and this this notion of enhanced penalties for these different things like you know if i murder you because you're white is that worse than murdering you beca- <laughs> because you want my money because you because i want your money no or because, you murdered him yeah i murdered him should maybe doesn't maybe, matter maybe, why i mean so so if so if i murder him because it he's doesn't white doesn't matter there's an should ulterior I get, motive. Maybe I should get the death penalty twice. There is an ulterior yeah. motive behind this, guys. The ulterior motive is you cannot say or do anything that goes against someone else's civil rights. So then, you know, the Democrats, they want this so they can start saying, hey, you can't say anything about homosexuals. It's a free country. You can be whatever you want to be, but you can't say anything against it because if you're thinking something against these people, then we're going to charge you for that. They're going See, to now, put together and, and, a court. And this ties us into the first hour because this is what socialism does. Socialism has thought crimes. Socialism makes it illegal for you to not have pure thoughts and, that and match the party's Agreed. And one of the problems with some of this is that, you know, maybe you commit a, a, a minor offense, 
that maybe you need to be punished in a, in a minor way. But then with these enhanced penalties, it goes from being a minor offense to a major offense. And then you, you maybe end up in prison for a long yes, time. You because, spit on the sidewalk as the a disrespect person. to President Obama. We will have to jail you now for that right. spit on maybe the sidewalk. You, maybe you spit on the sidewalk in front of a... Uh, a, a business owner who happens to be one of these protected classes oh. or or whatever it may be. Maybe you needed to be punished very lightly for spitting on the sidewalk. Probably not, but maybe you did. But because of the fact that it was a, one of these protected classes, now you're punished severely. Yeah, check this out. Maybe you burn a multicolor flag for the homosexual movement and you end up getting six years in prison. That actually happened recently. That's what I'm bringing up. They they hit him with a hate crime. That is And he got 16 years in prison. That's what hate crimes are set up to do. You burn burn the Ohio, I believe. They need to kick them out of the American flag. Burn. The American flag, and nothing happens to you. That that, that is that is bizarre. It's the same thing for insane. red flag laws, guys. Red flag laws are the same thing. If your neighbor says that you have been acting aggressively, or that they've been, you've been exhibiting, you know, unhealthy I've been intimidated behavior, by your bad attitude. That's exactly right. Or you go to the doctor and maybe fill out one of these forms that says I've been feeling depressed lately, or something like that, and they put that in your records. Red flag laws are thought police also. The federal government, state government, county government can take your guns away from you, and you have not committed any crime. And, and so the thing is— We the, cannot and, and allow are, this to happen. And there are already um, um, standards in place. There are already— um, a situ- or, uh, 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 What am I looking for, the word? I'm getting hung up here. There's laws in There's place. A, there are already laws in place and, and provisions in place for dealing with this. You know, if—, if if I for some reason just totally lose my mind, maybe I have a stroke or something, and I and I just go off, go crazy, and my family calls the police and say, "Hey, Paul Calvert is dangerous. You need to come get him." And say, so maybe half a dozen so. of my family members actually say this. Look, hey, he's too strong for us to handle. He's you need to come get him, and they'll come come evaluate me and say, "Oh, you're right. He has lost his mind." They'll take you to a state hospital. They'll take me to a state hospital, and that can be and that can be, and that can be appropriate. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, what if they just come Thorazine. along? What, what if they just come along and take my guns? <clears throat> what have they done? If, if they my told family, you to kill your family, they told themselves. you to kill your wife or your family with a knife instead of with a gun. Well, maybe so. And the thing is, a, but, there's, a but there's, a couple, yeah. there's a couple different possibilities here. May, one, maybe Maxwell my family's lying about. Down. Maybe my family's lying about me, and they just they're trying to get my guns away from me. Or two, um, and, and so and so, uh, maybe you have so, so so they're, so they're, maybe they're, they're lying about me, trying to get my guns away from me. And so then somebody else comes along and robs me, and they kill me because I can't defend myself. Or, two, they're not lying about me, and they just take my guns away. But, you know, I'm not such a dumb guy that I can't f- figure out a way to kill people without guns wow. or without, or be able to find more. How about and the guy so, that was in what city was it? He killed, killed one person and stabbed three others. Yeah. We got to do like they do in London. We got to make it illegal to have a knife that's longer than three inches. Are, are, are they going to outlaw vans now because yeah. people use no, vans to plow anybody, into crowds? Look, anybody yeah. that is for red flag laws and anybody that's for hate crimes, 
They need to sign up for the Democratic Party, and they need to be on MSNBC. Well, and some of this stuff, just like you, you, dis, you disarm the population, and then you That's have harsh. strong men that can't be stopped. All You're right. going to have the, the three-inch knife thing. What, what, what's up with that? You know, what, what happens when you have a Goliath? That's the mayor of, of London. I didn't say there's anything. No, no, no. no, I, just, I agree. no I agree. He's you're, no you're different wrong. than Bloomberg who wants to get rid of 32-ounce sodas, but I can go buy two 16-ounces. Come on. <laughs> That's stupid. And, and, and to tie my two three-inch knife blades together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I can give me a three-inch knife blade. Let me get up and stick it in your eye. Well, well but, the, but the thing is, you, though, know, keep... you, you, you end up making people vulnerable. The hand, handguns or guns in general make it possible for small, weak people to defend themselves against giants. I tell you what, just, yeah, you go back to the Czech history to what we're talking about. You go back to Czech history after World War II. And that lady named Maleda was a politician, and she fought Hitler, and she fought the Nazis. Yeah. But she would not sign something saying that she would support the socialist government of the Czech Republic, and they executed her. Wow. And uh, and what happened when they had their uh, their what they had the sixty eight spring where they tried to rise up against Soviet domination, and the Soviet tanks just rolled in and mowed them down. That's exactly right. So was that anyway, Tito? No, I mean, Tito. Who was no, that? Tito was in Yugoslavia. Yeah, I forget. Same the, thing happened. To him. They, but they had they had a a pseudo liberal uh, president of Czechoslovakia yeah, yeah, yeah. who was allowing them to try and move away from the Soviet control, and the Soviets didn't put up with that. I'm sorry, that was communist. That was the communist yeah. regime. That was a communism. But you know, she just fought the Nazis, and she got uh, uh, she got a an award from her country for fighting the Nazis. And then, then they, they got changed. taken over by the Soviets. Then they got taken over, and then she got killed by the communists because yeah. she wouldn't bow down to the communists. Because regime. totalitarianism all ends in the same place. Death I'm just and saying, destruction. Death and destruction. They'll kill you because they're the head. I yeah, mean, that's just ever, the way they are. Don't ever, ever think that embracing socialism will bring peace. Yeah, I'm it's with you. It's not that different than communism. No. It's the, same it's same the bridge. It's, it's the, the bridge thing. from capitalism to communism. That's all it's socialism set, is. Subtle distinctions, but whether it's whether it's socialism or capitalism or national socialism or international socialism or democrat socialism, it all has the same objective. You do what I say or I'll kill you, and it all ends up in the same place. You're my slave. Do what I say or I'll kill you. Equal, That's where socialism goes. Equal any kind misery. Of That's what it all comes down to. Equal misery. And, and then it's and it's it's except for the party boss. And it's sold to well, yeah, it's sold to the masses. They get their deck house. It's sold know? to the masses by by um, by appealing to the, sorry. It's sold to the masses by appealing yeah. to their covetousness. And it's like, well, you're, we're going to give your we're going to give your rich neighbors possessions to you. Equal and wealth for everyone. They're already doing that. Yeah, we got to take are. a break. Equal poverty and misery. <laughs> All right, let's get a break in. We got more Alan Dershowitz with you. I got to talk to Zach because I want to pull up one more piece that he had to say. I got cut nine. We're going to get a cut ten, but I got to tell Zach what we want to get, and I'll do that when I come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so I've got enough time to get one, maybe both of these in. Cut number nine, Dershowitz talking about quid pro quo. Presidential motives to determine the distinction between what is impeachable and what is not. 
And here I come to a relevant and contemporaneous issue. Even if a president, any president, were to demand a quid pro quo as a condition to sending aid to a foreign country, obviously a highly disputed matter in this case, that would not by itself constitute an abuse of power. Consider the following hypothetical case that uh, is in our news today as the Israeli uh, prime minister comes to the United States for, for meetings. Let's assume a democratic president tells Israel that foreign aid authorized by Congress will not be sent or an Oval Office meeting will not be scheduled unless the Israelis stop building settlements. Quid pro quo. I might disapprove of such a quid pro quo demand on policy grounds, but it would not constitute an abuse of power. Quid pro quo alone is not a basis for abuse of power. It's part of the way foreign policy has been operated by presidents since the beginning of time. The claim that foreign policy decisions can be deemed abuses of power based on subjective opinions about mixed or sole motives, that the president was interested only in helping himself demonstrate the dangers of employing the vague, subjective, and politically malleable phrase abuse of power as a constitutionally permissible criteria for the removal of a president. Now, it follows, it follows from this that if a president, any president, were to have done what the Times reported about the contact of the Bolton manuscript, that would not constitute an impeachable offense. There you go. And cut number 10, what presidents would they impeach if they were impeaching like they are right now? Cut 10. I will now give you a list of presidents who in our history have been accused of abusing their power, who would be subject to impeachment under the House manager's view of the Constitution. George Washington, refusal to turn over documents related to the Jay Treaty. John Adams, signing and enforcing the Alien and Sedition Laws. Thomas Jefferson, purchasing Louisiana without congressional authorization. I'll go on. John Quincy Adams, Martin Van Buren, John Tyler, arbitrary, despotic, and corrupt use of the veto power. James Polk, here I quote Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln accused Polk of abusing his power of his office, contemptuously disregarding the Constitution, usurping the role of Congress, and assuming the role of dictator. He didn't seek to impeach him. He just sought to defeat him. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was accused of abusing his power for suspending the writ of habeas corpus during the Civil War. President Grant, Grover Cleveland, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, William Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, quote, concerning Iran-Contra, and now I say Professor Lawrence Tribe said the following, quote, Therein lies what appears to be the most serious breach of duty by the president, a breach that may well entail an impeachable abuse of power. George H.W. Bush, the following was released today by the Clinton-Gore campaign. In the past weeks, Americans have begun to learn the extent to which George Bush and his administration have abused their governmental power for political purposes. That's how abuse of power should be used, as campaign rhetoric. It should be in statements issued by one political party against the other. That's the nature of the term. Abuse of power is a political weapon, and it should be leveled against political opponents. There you go. I love this guy because he would have said this for Trump, 
or for Hillary because Dershowitz believes in the Constitution. Here's the news. Back, what did Dershowitz say about the presidents who would have been impeached? Let's hear that again. Cut 10. I will now give you a list of presidents who in our history have been accused of abusing their power, who would be subject to impeachment under the House manager's view of the Constitution. George Washington, refusal to turn over documents related to the Jay Treaty. John Adams, signing and enforcing the Alien and Sedition Laws. Thomas Jefferson, purchasing Louisiana without congressional authorization. I'll go on. John Quincy Adams, Martin Van Buren, John Tyler, arbitrary, despotic, and corrupt use of the veto power. James Polk, here I quote Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln accused Polk of abusing his power of his office, contemptuously disregarding the Constitution, usurping the role of Congress, and assuming the role of dictator. He didn't seek to impeach him. He just sought to defeat him. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was accused of abusing his power for suspending the writ of habeas corpus during the Civil War. President Grant, Grover Cleveland, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, William Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, quote, concerning Iran-Contra, and now I say Professor Lawrence Tribe said the following, quote, Therein lies what appears to be the most serious breach of duty by the president, a breach that may well entail an impeachable abuse of power. George H.W. Butch, the following was released today by the Clinton-Gore campaign. In the past weeks, Americans have begun to learn the extent to which George Bush and his administration have abused their governmental power for political purposes. That's how abuse of power should be used, as campaign rhetoric. It should be in statements issued by one political party against the other. That's the nature of the term. Abuse of power is a political weapon, and it should be leveled against political opponents. There you go. And he left out the two biggest abusers of power Nixon. among presidents of my life. No, I was going to say Clinton and Obama. Okay. Mm. Well, yeah. But no, I mean, look, Obama, according to... Joe Biden was the most was the most transparent administration in the history of the White House. And according to Obama, he had the most scandal free administration. (laughs) Yeah, it was scandal free. Don't don't believe it. Just ask us. There's nothing to see here. Just keep on moving. Nothing to see here. (laughs) What did he say? I have a phone and I have a pen. Mm, and I'll get it accomplished. Yeah, he didn't care about the Constitution. No, he didn't care. His I whole objective been. in getting elected president was to fundamentally remake America forever, by which he meant doing away with the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And doing everything that's wanted. an abuse of power. Well, the, the thing is, though, that. And you, we didn't talk about, a, you know, impeaching him. We just. Because you couldn't. Ran he was against sacrosanct. Him. He was the Messiah who could make the oceans recede. I mean, we have an election coming up in nine months. We have an election coming up. Really? And then... It's coming up even sooner for judges, and that's going to yeah, be yeah. in that's right. March. That's right. I, but that we have an election coming up yeah. soon enough for president. Why not let the American people decide? Because the Democrats aren't going to win. Right. That's right. why. The Democrats right. are, A, afraid they can't win, and, B, hoping this impeachment shenanigan will damage the president's chances of re-election. That's the whole purpose. They had the Has snowball's it? chance in hell Has of getting them yet? kicked out of office. Their whole purpose, they're trying to do exactly what they say, that he was trying to manipulate the 2020 election 
by having Joe Biden investigated. They're trying to manipulate the 2020 by investigating, inve- by investigating Trump. That's it, right. It's, it's the pot calling the kettle black. It's projection, and, man. And like Professor Dershowitz said, this is a political question that should be decided by politics. I agree. I agree because abuse by one president for some people may not be abuse at all for the other people that There's, followed that president. Well, and, I, and I think his point about quid pro quo was was pretty almost fascinating. It's just it's one of those things. <laughs> it's that's, good, man. I it, tell it's, you. it's one of those things that you know almost everything we do is is quid pro quo. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just it's because part of we're our good, everyday nice lives. People. Right, but it is part married. of our everyday lives. <laughs> If you make a Excuse living, me. if you go to a job, it is quid pro quo. It's you stand there and work, you punch the clock, and then you do what you're told for 8 or 10 or, or 12 hours a day or whatever and it is. And you agree to it. I in, do in thousands exchange, of pages of paperwork every right, week because ex- I'm hoping to get that commission right, check. In exchange. Right. Quid pro quo. Yes, exactly. But when it becomes wrong is when you're actually doing it in unjustly Exactly. So if I'm a if you're judge, thinking a bad thing right, about it. Right, well, and, <laughs> yeah, your attitude. And, and, and the, you did the right thing, but your attitude. Yeah. Was wrong. Well, and the, the thing is, there, there, there could be a place for that. Yeah, the what thing were is, you thinking? Right, right. <laughs> and so, the, so the thing is that were your motives pure? Yeah, that's right. That, well, and, and there's a thing that so Purity a judge, test. A, a judge, um, who accepts a bribe, is evil and wicked. He has no business doing that. But the, th- the fact is, a judge also accepts I mean, kind of like those big bags full of cash that got delivered to Clinton's re-election headquarters Shh, while he was giving uh, missile guidance that. technology Ca- to communist careful, dictators might, so they could you, kill us. Careful, you might commit suicide. That was a quid pro quo. Hey, well, my favorite one happened in Conway in your town. What's that? That a judge got debarred. And he is in the Kentucky prison, or he was. He's in Good prison. for him. Prison. It was wrong for him to take that money. But the guy that gave him the money, now there's nothing mm. wrong with that. Yeah. Now, is the guy that gave him the money, where is he at right now? He's probably making contribution to both parties. Well, he, let, was, let me, he was saving millions of bucks, and the dumbass <laughs> judge was only getting 30 grand out of it. So let me bring up another type of quid pro quo on some level. And so look at some of these local judges. What happens when they find people guilty in their local courts? You know that in many cases, part of the, part of their office gets funded by finding people guilty. If yep. I understand it correctly, and so yep. you get a speeding ticket or whatever it may be, their local town or their their lo- local office, their o- own judge's office itself gets part of its funding from finding people guilty from those fines and fees that are connected. And so, where's the impartial oh, juror? In that? Exactly. And so the thing is. Is there not a little bit of quid pro quo? I'm going to find you guilty. If I can find you guilty, I'm going to benefit by it. Where's the corruption in that? Why, That's why the government's is, job is to reward bad behavior. That's well, where and, we have and government. So, and so, so the, 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 so, just like putting kids up, just like the DHS. You know, the more kids they have in their system that are not adopted and that are moved around from house to house, the more federal government. And then, the, and, the more federal money well, that's that a they get, incentive. I'm, and, I'm and telling they, you, and then, it goes and, as deep as you want to go. And, and then you have, well, it, this is creating jobs. Yeah, it's creating jobs. The only way to have less corruption in government is to have less government. Amen, bro. In, in so many cases, that is true. And, and so the, the only way to have less government is to choke back the amount of money. Less money. Well, that's but, less but how money. Do we but convince, who's fighting for that? How do we convince our neighbors to mm-hmm. stop? 
sucking on the teeth. Now, when we, now when, you put your finger on the big problem. Well, and, and That's not going to happen. How, how do we you have to drive the well. You're not going to convince your neighbors or nothing. As nobody's long as get the elected. money is there, somebody's going to take it. The only way to do it is to cut the money is the only way to do now, it. Now, let me go and talk about what you just said. It's about somebody's going to take it. What's the argument we hear so many times? If we don't get it, if we don't take it, somebody else will. That's the argument. That's their, and 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 that's you hear that from the state government all the time. Could get elected running on vote for me, and I won't give you large. That's it. Right, and so and so we will not take the federal. You could use that word, and they probably wouldn't understand what you're saying. let's, Let's bring this a little bit more back to home, and so we look at some guy who's who's maybe sleeping on a park bench, and his wallet is showing. Well, if I don't take it, someone else will. <laughs> it works that way. That's How just is that the way it any is. different? And it provides jobs. If, I if, heard. If we weren't getting all that federal money, look how many people would be out of a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I work with <laughs> kids that get in trouble at times. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Other than your own, you mean? I, yeah. I, I, work I, with talking, I work with lawmakers sometimes, Jesus, too. <laughs> I, well, I was talking to this one kid. Gotten in trouble from breaking into cars. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, dude, I was only breaking into the cars that weren't locked. They were asking to be broke into. That's the way he saw it. Yeah, if you have if no source of authority of right and wrong. Make a good exactly right. If you have if no source of authority, and our government it. has lost the source of authority of right, right. and wrong. If I don't get it, somebody it. else will. And so, well, yeah, if, if I don't rob this little, little old lady, someone else will. But by George, I ain't going to rob her. Yeah. Someone else might rob her, but Reminds it ain't going to be me. Reminds me of a Steppenwolf song. Yeah. Which one? Pusher Man? Somebody else will. Yeah. <laughs> the Pusher Man. All right. We're going to take a break. Got to get a break in. When we come back, we'll start hearing what the president had to say today about his Middle East peace plan. We're going to talk about that. Coming up <laughs> next hour, we're going to have a special guest from FAIR, of course, uh, that's American Immigration Reform, Federation for American Immigration uh, Reform. And uh, if you blinked, you missed it because uh, most of the big news channels really didn't get into this. And that is the Supreme Court struck down an activist judge's nationwide injunction against President Trump's public charge rule, which uh, seeks to ensure that immigrants in this country are self-sufficient and not a strain on public resources. We will talk about that in the next hour here of the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, uh, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. The president today with Benjamin Netanyahu by his side, and I forget who the other uh, uh, Israeli politician was who's basically running against Netanyahu Uh, at the beginning of March, both of them agreed, no matter who won the election, we're going to put this Trump plan into uh, motion. And uh, here's what Donald Trump had to say about this Middle East peace plan, cut number one. Young people across the Middle East are ready for a more hopeful future. And governments throughout the region are realizing that terrorism and Islamic extremism are everyone's common enemy. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of meeting with both the Prime Minister of Israel and a man that's working very hard to become the Prime Minister of Israel in the longest-running election of all time. (laughs) 
Benny Gantz of the Blue and White Party. And both leaders joined me to express their support for this effort, proving that the state of Israel looking for peace and that peace transcends politics by any measure, unmeasurable, that's what they want. On my first trip overseas as president, I visited the Holy Land of Israel. I was deeply moved and amazed by what this small country had achieved in the face of overwhelming odds and never-ending threats. The state of Israel comprises only a minuscule amount of land in the Middle East, and yet it has become a thriving center of democracy, innovation, culture, and commerce. Israel is a light unto the world. The hearts and history of our people are woven together. The land of Israel is an ancient home, a sacred place of worship, and a solemn promise to the Jewish people that we will never again repeat history's darkest hour. There you have it. All right. Uh, this is a start. I've got four other pieces of, of audio I want to play for you. And uh, let's just go over some of the things uh, that the president said. Uh, he described the plan as realistic and said Israel is prepared to act. The plan calls for a two-state solution, including the state of Israel and the future state of Palestine. Under the plan, the Palestinians would have to reach certain benchmarks to achieve a state. Those benchmarks included uh, rooting out terrorism. Never have. Stopping what they call pay to slay never happened implementing steps toward free speech never happened and other political reforms the plan is a basis for negotiations with israel trump officials said claiming many of the palestinians red lines are met including their calls for a palestinian state and a capital in eastern jerusalem won't be enough for them no i i agree because the bottom line for the Palestinians is the complete and utter destruction of Israel. That's the only thing they'll, they'll settle, settle they'll for. out of there and into the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, another holocaust is the only thing that will make them happy and the only thing they'll settle for. But, you know, I'm all for giving somebody the opportunity oh, we'll to do what's right. We'll give them the chance. Let's put it I'm up for people for, to look at. I'm all for any political party or any or anybody is give them a second chance and give them opportunity. Life is about free will and opportunity. That's what people should have. And you cho- choose the direction, but there's going to be consequences to the decisions you make. Yeah, there well, should be let's, consequences. Let's figure though that this won't go anywhere because who's in charge of the pal- the PL- the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Force? Hardly got any control. Okay, but who's all. in charge of Palestine right now? Technically or really? And really, it's a it's a you know combination of Hamas and Hezbollah. That's Hezbollah. They they yeah. can they control all the political. Mm-hmm. You know, they got over half of the political power in, in the Palestine. Gaza Strip. It's Hamas and and uh, Hezbollah's got a lot of influence. That's in the rest the of it. I mean, and the Palestinian both of them call Palestinian for the Palestinian authorities a straw man. They're they just a, both a fake. call for the 
destruction of Israel. You know, that agreement sounded like it was quid pro quo to me. <laughs> but it is. You meet these requirements, you get a state. We'll see well, what they say. And, and that's, that. there's a, the quid pro quo just keeps coming around. And, it, sure and it, it, is a, it is a reality. You know, if you don't come and try to mur- murder my mama, I won't, I won't stop. They will I, probably I try you. to impeach but, him. For well, this. But the thing is <laughs> yeah. that... Uh, <laughs> Just give them what they want with no stipulations asked. Right, no. The, the fact is that quid pro quo is everywhere, and it's a good thing. Well, in most be. cases. In most cases. Sadly, like it's it. going to be a lot of wasted ink, uh, felled trees. Pages. Felled trees to no uh, particular end, and uh, a lot of gas that's going to go wafting up into the air, and nothing's going to come of it. Because the Palestinians are so totally indoctrinated into the evil of Islam that they can't break away from the hatred that they've been taught since they were children. So let's see what we hear from the two Muslim members from Minnesota about what they think about this. I want to hear. I've been kind of watching the news wires because I'm sure— you know, they're going to say something. Although, what's-her-name is prop, uh, the one that's under going to be under investigation for all the kind of crap she's the, been the, doing? Uh, you're talking about, about Ilhan Omar, yeah. who married her brother yeah. to get him into the country. Going to be very interesting to see. Uh, she's going to keep her yeah, head she, low. Yeah, she committed She committed uh, immigration. Federal, fraud. federal crimes. Yeah. Punishable by many years in jail. Right, but let's see if it happens. Huh? Let's see if it happens. I doubt it. And you know, Rashida the Democrat Party, the, same. the Democratic Party will come to her defense. You oh, watch. of course, of course. AOC definitely will come to her defense. Of course. I mean, she's part of the squad. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. All Bunch right. Un-American Marxists. I got, I got time that I can play another piece here from this. And uh, here's the president again. I'm looking for a shorter piece here. Cut number five. There's a lot of spirit in this room. It's true. You don't see it often. You don't see it often. Therefore, it is only reasonable that I have to do a lot for the Palestinians or it just wouldn't be fair. Now, don't clap for that, okay? But it's true. It wouldn't be fair. I want this deal to be a great deal for the Palestinians. It has to be. Today's agreement is a historic opportunity for the Palestinians to finally achieve an independent state of their very own. After 70 years of little progress, this could be the last opportunity they will ever have. And last for a lot of reasons. We'll never have a team like we have right now. We have a team of people that love the United States and they love Israel and they're very smart and very, very committed from your ambassador, David Friedman. To Jason and Avi and Jared. And they're all great deal makers, and they also understand the other side, and they want the other side to do well, because that's the sign of a great deal, and they understand that. And I just appreciate all the hard work you put in, and so many of your other friends, and of course, our great Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. 
That's impressive. That was very impressive, man. The president was wrong about one thing, What's Dave, that? and that is that uh, he says it's their last chance to get a, to get a state, and that they've been trying to not have a state and not made much progress for seventy years. Well, I did the former Ottoman province of Palestine, which was a British mandate from the end of World War One until nineteen forty seven, has already been divided into a Jewish and a Palestinian state. The Palestinians to date is called the Kingdom of Jordan. That was the Palestinian state. Now, they lost some of their peripheral provinces during an attempted war of extermination against the Jews, but they still have a Palestinian state. They had the opportunity and turned it down and went to war with Israel instead. They could have had the two-state solution then. They tried to annihilate Israel in 1947. That's correct. They lost the West Bank, which was a traditionally Jewish area anyway. Yeah, bottom line, the Palestinians want the Jews They won't take yes for an answer. That's Mm -hmm. well, they they want the Jews gone. The yes for an answer is we'll go over and uh, throw them all out of there again. Put them on the boats and just leave them to float. Sounds almost like Nancy and Donald, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Well, read She's the, not going to be happy. Read the revolu- read read the apocalypse of Saint John if you want to know how this turns out. Doesn't turn out good for the bad guys. Let's just put it that way. You, you don't want to be on the side of hating all Jews when Jesus comes. No, that's pretty well stated in no. Genesis and again in in Revelation. We'll We're take not a break. To hate anybody. We'll take a break and talk more when we come back. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh program. show final hour of a uh, tuesday edition of the afternoon show which will not be here next week sean hannity will be i will have already done my show from that morning from six o'clock until 9 a.m and on monday these uh, gentlemen other than carl will be in studio (laughs) with me Doing and the you're early need mornings. A lot more coffee next week. I have that. plenty of coffee. <laughs> I make. I make. I'm make sure there's plenty of coffee, and got to have that. But uh, they'll be here to do that. We'll be on from six to nine, beginning Monday, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Sean Hannity is moving into the old slot from two until five, and then uh, Jay Sekolo will be on during the five until six o'clock. And don't forget Rush Limbaugh. 11 to 2, Mike Gallagher from uh, 9 o'clock to 11. But that may change. Just know that that could change. Well, this may be the talkiest conservative 
radio station it in will all be. of Arkansas. It will be. I'll guarantee it. Maybe in the, in the United States, <laughs> to be honest with you. One of the strongest conservative stations around. Good to have you back. I want to talk about something that Paul brought up to us in the first hour. It's uh, something local, and you know I like to deal with local-type issues. And, uh, Paul, bring us up to date on what's going on because of the flooding that happened last year. So a friend of year. mine, and this is, this is a little bit third-hand, but I, I think it's accurate. That's okay. Well, Democrats right. have been running on it for months. <laughs> and so, so and I've heard, I've heard it from various sources as well. So a friend of mine was looking at a house that was for sale. It seemed pretty stinking cheap. It was like seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars for a house. Yeah, and so he checked into it a little bit more, and it turned out that this house had essentially been condemned by the county. Right, and 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 they were told they were not allowed to remodel it because it had been flooded, and it was in the floodplain, and so they they were going to have to bring the whole thing back up to flood standards, which would essentially mean they would have to, I guess, raise the house up on stilts or something of that nature. And they just simply were not allowed to fix it, from what I can tell. And so, you know, I could kind of understand that because, you know, FEMA is bailing all these flood victims out and tell them, you know what, if you're going to take all these subsidies, you got to build your house to our standards or we're not going to give you a nickel. But apparently that's not even what's being done. What's being done is that they're being told you're not allowed to fix it regardless of whether or not you, you get these subsidies. And to me, you know, that's a serious problem when someone's got a home that may or may not get flooded again, and they're told, you're not allowed to fix your own house. Say what? That, that, We've got t- too t- many branches of government involved right. for one thing. Right. Because and, and, and I you've think got I, the county, you've got the federal government right. and, so with I think, FEMA and all that stuff. So Local zoning board. Yeah, you've guys got too many people right. involved and so, so in I that think mess. What's, what, what you have going on here is that the federal government has bribed the state and the county county governments That's not new. In, into making laws that violate the basic civil rights of Arkansans. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the only thing that I will say about that is that I, unless they can buy insurance from somebody like Carl, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be able to build uh, or if unless they don't want to have any insurance, insurance at right. all. Flood insurance now I'm talking about, and flood insurance, most insurers don't even want to get into flood insurance anymore. That's why the federal government is in flood insurance. I don't think they should make, they should offer it to people who want to build in a floodplain. I agree. I totally agree. Am I federal wrong go- about this, Carl? Federal government there should be. The- Anytime that you're going to take out a loan, the financial institution loaning it. you the money to purchase or build your house has a right to expect that you insure their collateral. That's correct. And so if the way you solve it is if you want to build a house in the floodplain and you don't want to meet FEMA standards, well, if you build it with cash out of pocket and if it gets washed away, it's just your loss, no big deal. But if you want to have insurance on it, then the insurance companies are going to have standards that they require. And of course, you can't get a whole lot of flood insurance except for through FEMA. That's exactly right. I mean, look, if you remember, this is it may have been in the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm trying to think that I think Clinton was president. So it was in the 90s. Remember when the Mississippi 
flooded so badly? There have been a couple of Mississippi floods. The worst one, I want to say 93. That may have been it. Early, That's I think the it was one in Clinton's first term. When, when it went down, when, yeah, they that, said, we won't sell you guys flood insurance any longer. I can tell you this. If yeah. you live close to a river like that, you better not have any hogs. You know? Well, that's true, but I'm just saying. They, they didn't want to rebuild the people's houses that's close right. to the Mississippi, but they're still rebuilding the luxury resorts on those and coastal I have problems islands with off that. South Carolina. Okay, I guess we're talking about state problem. and federal contract. You need a contract with a state that says that I'm going to use my own money to build it, and then you need a contract from the federal government that says I'm not going to take the taxpayer's money because I'm stupid. Well, and that's the thing is that, that people should be allowed to you make. Shouldn't need a contract to have. But a resort. <laughs> but if if, a, if there a, shouldn't be a need for if it, a person, but there is a need for it. If a person who's trying uh, to rebuild their home and can't get flood insurance because it's in a floodplain, they then, might want to think about building somewhere. Else. That's exactly sure. right. If they well, got good then, sense. But here's the key. That goes the same for the businessman who's building a resort. He should not be able to get the insurance that he wants. Sure, exactly. And I think the solution is that, you know, if someone wants to build in a floodplain, there's there's ways of self-insuring. You can build your house way up high. You can build it really cheap and then just replace it when it gets damaged. And make no mistake, FEMA is highly taxpayer-subsidized insurance. Sure. When you're buying insurance from FEMA and FEMA's rebuilding your house— you're getting subsidized by the taxpayers. You are for your foolish building site choices. That's exactly the right. problem. It is there's not a person in there. There's not a something to write in there for someone that's poor that doesn't have the money right. to go buy another house. Is what Paul says. So, so, so right. But the problem is is the existence of government and the subsidies that comes in and bails everybody out when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying, if you rebuild your house right here, we're going to have to bail you out. So we're not going to give you right. the authority to do it. We're not going to let you do it, and if you do, we're going to we're going to lock you in jail. Basically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is a, there's no freedom to bail you out is the problem. Right. In the is, first place. That's what I'm saying exactly. Right. If if they weren't bailing people out, but right. I'm saying, and so that principle can be can be expanded to so many different areas. Back it to has back, been. why you have so many back, homeless people. Back to the notion of. Of um, what's his face in New York City saying? Well, Bloomberg. you can't you can't buy a thirty two ounce drink because you know what you're going to get fat. We're going to bail you out. The problem Don't is the government. People. The Doomer. government needs to stop bailing people out and let them get fat. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Jonathan wants to talk to us from Houston, Arkansas. All right. Oh, good. Houston, Arkansas. How you doing, Jonathan? Good afternoon. Afternoon. Hey. hey. Uh, first off, I want to say, Dave. I talked to you on uh, a station long ago. Yes. On your show several times, and now I'm talking to you on this station, and I've enjoyed your show for many years. Well, I appreciate that. Now, now you're not the guy who called me the second week I was on and said, You're not long for this market, son. No. Okay. I no, just wanted to make I, sure. I, I knew that you would stay. No, as a matter of fact, I was the, the gentleman. Because I, I was offended by that particular Jonathan. <laughs> I was the one that actually called you and wanted to talk to you off the air and asked you what the heck happened. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm I'm the, uh, still doing well. I'm Go ahead. A, when I bought this uh, place out here in Houston in uh, 2018, where where is Houston? By Harris Break. Houston, Arkansas is yeah. We're we're uh, my property is uh, a few hundred yards backed up to the Foch Lafave. And uh, it also Beautiful. is uh, on the, uh, what you call the western southern side of Arkansas. Okay. Beautiful place. All right. 
Perry County. And uh, it, it's in Perry County, and it is in the middle of nowhere. All right. On a dirt road. Nothing wrong with that. All right. The uh, the good part is it's four acres of woods. And the bad part was is when I bought it, the mortgage company said, we will not give you a loan if you are in a floodplain. They went through. They sent their investigators out, said, no, you are not in the floodplain. You're fine. Okay. But, but the conditions of this particular kind of flood, which they said only happens every 100 or 500 years, that's what FEMA said. How would they I know? was in, I was now, you know, I had water all the way up to the edge of the trailer. I right. luckily was the only one on my side of the street that survived. And all mm. my other neighbors mm. got damage all right. or destruction. And I'm, and I, I, I'm like, well, what do you mean I'm not in a floodplain? You guys told me I wasn't, but here I am with water up underneath the trailer. What's going on? They said, well, this is a fluke. And, you know, and I said, well, then I need to get flood insurance. And they said, no, 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 you're not eligible for flood insurance because you're not really in a floodplain, so you don't really need it. So in other That's words, we, we've problem. got some we've got some elevation surveyors that don't know what they're doing, perhaps. Well, or, or the flood rises further than anybody ever thought it did. Just because the flood yeah. hadn't reached a certain level in the last because hundred years doesn't mean it's not going to reach it twice right. more in the next five. And, and, well, and, and in my neighborhood, I actually we had uh, neighbors that lived further up the hill, and they brought sticks down and they measured it, and we were monitoring the. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers measurement of the river, height above normal, and it reached 38.5 or 38.6 feet. And they said that is a uh, epidemic, or no, no, that's not the right word. It, it was it was considered once in a lifetime. Right. We can blame the Corps of Engineers in Oklahoma for a lot of that because they held their reservoirs until they were really full and didn't release the water from them. And then they decided that the reservoirs were in danger of breaking and they released them all at once. And so if if there were no Corps of Engineers dams in Oklahoma, this never would have happened. Well, then then you also have the the, um, levees that are placed up around cities and whatnot. And so you would have had water years ago that would have actually dispersed out. And now these levees are keeping it in the channel, and so there's more water that has to go somewhere. So downstream, you've got an open area, so it goes there instead. And I think some of these these prevention measures with the levees are probably causing other people's property to flood. You know, in general, you know, if I do that on my property, if I build a levee to, to keep a creek out of my pasture or something, and it floods your house, guess what happens? You sue me, and I have to pay for your house. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so why is it that, why is it okay for the government to do that and you don't get paid for it? Okay, so what is what is the point that you want to make, Jonathan? <clears throat> is that um, well the the whole thing with the flood insurance stuff is one minute they're telling you that you don't need it, but the next minute something like this happens, and then they're trying to tell you, well, you 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 it did happen, the flood happened, but you know you really not don't really need to pay it, but if you want to pay it, we'll give you this premium which is like ridiculous amount of money right <laughs> now i'll let you guys get back to the show and i'll turn the radio back up as i go home but i wanted to say one last thing go ahead i am proud of professor dershowitz myself <laughs> i never liked him over the years until i realized he will stand up for anybody conservative or liberal on the basis of the constitution and i, I agree with you. that God bless you. Amen, right. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it.
I learned today where Houston, Arkansas was. Mm-hmm. I yeah, had no I've got, idea. I've got customers in Houston. How far is that from here? Uh, um, it's about 25 miles. Well, okay. yeah, Perry, just head out Highway 10. Is that Crow 10. Flies? Yeah, just, yep. head, just head out Highway 10 until you get to Perry County. And, and just before you get to Harris Break, hang a right. So mm-hmm. is that like Mary Bentley? That's up Jason Rapert area. I is think. it Jason Rapert? So, well, Mary, the guy, maybe, maybe the guy I Mary bought Bentley's my house well, from lives out there now. Yeah, That's a beautiful river that he's yeah. talking about. That's a beautiful yeah. river. So and, if I'm going out to nice Jean, that's what I'm yeah. I'm going to go yeah. by them. Well, yeah. before you, Perry, just before you get to Perryville. Okay, I know where Perryville a, is. Okay, well, on your way to Perryville, just before you get to town, there's a uh, route called Arkansas 216. You take a right on that, and it goes up the east side of Harris Break. Or you can take the next right and go up the west side of Harris Break, and there's all kinds of... Nice little houses Carl, and little neighborhoods. You know a lot around. of stuff about that. Are you well, like I'm a travel Ar- agent? I'm an Arkansan, and, and I've got, like I said, I've got customers. I got, okay. I got, I've got a resort on Harris Break that I insure. What resort is that? It's Harris Break uh, resort? resort Lake. Now, Harris Break Resort <laughs> Lodge. Yeah. Lodge. Okay. Yeah, it's, but they, Very cool. Yeah, they got RV camping and, and wow. uh, resort. They got a little hotel and well, some primitive cabins yeah. if that's your thing yeah perry county if you is, like if you like to fish that's a good place to yeah. fish yeah perry county is one of the is it the, is it the least populated county it, in the state it's pretty rural so. out there yeah and it's people say rural. that we don't get out i'm just and you them. talked about judge elections <laughs> we're having a we're having a judge election coming up that perry county and pulaski county are a district yeah let me remind everybody that i'll be in garland county on saturday for a kind of a uh, meet and greet kind of thing for the political candidates out there, judges, and I think Alan Clark and the challenger and some other people, and I'll be part of the panel. It'll be me and Paul Harrell and Glenn Gallus is coming oh, wow. back from uh, over at uh, uh, Waco, Texas, and will be part of it. So I'll be asking questions and stuff like that. That should be fun. You can find out all about it. Just uh, head out to Facebook and look for it and say you want to come. It's going to be a fun time. You learn some things. Twenty-two. It's already twenty-two after four, guys. Told you last hour always goes fastest. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We got more to talk. I want to talk more about this whole thing about the flooding, because uh, I also want you guys know what they're doing about the uh, uh, building up the dike some more. We don't call them dikes here. What do we call them? The levees. Yeah, the levees. The dikes, I think, are in the river itself, and the levees are up on the. Dikes Dikes separate the polder from the North Sea. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, anyway, and I, and it wouldn't have mattered if I put my finger in it or not, (laughs) but it's still flooded. All right, we'll take a break. It's Dave Ellswick's show here, 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, we've got just a few minutes before we get to the bottom of the hour. Next half hour, we're going to hear from the folks from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court ruling yesterday that uh, ruled in President Trump's favor about public charge and the rule which seeks to ensure that immigrants in this country are self-sufficient and not a strain on public resources. It represents one of the most consequential actions we've witnessed in the Trump administration as it relates to moving forward with his immigration reform agenda. And we'll have somebody here to really go over this with us and answer all of our questions about it in the next half hour. You won't want to miss that. And then we got a best of Bible guys at 5 o'clock because Billy 
and uh, Scott are sick, and Steve oh. has to work, so I have no Bible guys to join me, and so I'm not going to try to answer those questions. No, no, it's not Corona. No, it's not that. As I call it, the beer virus. They All right, they back with you. I call it something. <laughs> back with you know uh, that. Just to speak about the coronavirus for a second, all the they got the news media just going crazy on this, and it's scaring the crap out of people. You got twenty seven stock market go down. Yeah, they got twenty seven twenty seven hundred cases in China, with where they got what? Where people. they got two billion people or three billion people, and on top of that, we've got five cases in the United States. We've already got seventeen hundred deaths from the flu this year. I'd be be more afraid of the flu we're, than we're, you are of the coronavirus. We're Wash your hands. We're majoring always. On, we're majoring riding on with Ted minors. Kennedy was more dangerous. <laughs> yeah, you better believe that. Riding he should have been driving a Volkswagen. Yeah. It floated. <laughs> if, wow. it, if it could definitely float, it wouldn't float indefinitely. Yeah, that, mm. well, that's true as well. But Mary Jo Kopechny had had a chance at least. We're majoring on the minors. Yeah. Well, that's and it, it just goes to show that people will find something to worry about well i think they gotta sell papers they gotta sell and that's the thing is that we're gonna sell tv time we're we're not afraid of the selling papers that's passe now americans aren't (laughs) afraid afraid of the flu anymore oh wait it's on a it's on a tablet i'm sorry americans are afraid of the flu we don't get all been out of shape that somebody died about died with the flu because we kind of understand the flu we've most of us have had it Whereas some of these other diseases, we don't know what it to It only expect. kills wimps. I can take it. Sure. Yeah, the, that's a, the fact is, with the flu, for the most part, that is true. It kills older people with chronic diseases oh, right. and younger <laughs> people. Watch right. it, it, Carl. It, it kills the, it kills the weak. I don't throw myself in on right. that. But, and so, so the thing is, that it, 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 we, we're willing to accept the risk of the flu. Just like we're willing to accept the risk of driving. Driving is incredibly da- dangerous. Lots and lots of people die. Especially driving. in Little Rock. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so it's, <laughs> and so it's dangerous, but we understand those risks. So it doesn't really, it, you, the media can't hype us into a frenzy oh, over they those try. risks. They may try, but it doesn't, doesn't work for some of these things that we understand. Yeah, I've got a certain amount of control over dodging the idiot or drivers guns. in my hometown. Does that make sense? I, I have to a tougher about time guns. dodging those germs. All right, let's take a break. We got to get a break because we got uh, the news coming up. Then we're going to tell you all about what does it mean to be uh, a public charge rule. And if I have a few moments, I'll tell you what a black swan event is. You got to mm-hmm. hear about that as well. Sounds right now, though, here is your news. We'll get to it, and then we'll be back at one hundred one point one FM, the answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh program, and soon to be the Dave Ellswick Morning Show, starting Monday. From 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. All right, I told you that we were going to have somebody on uh, from FAIR. That's the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. What I didn't know is going to be one of my best buddies from uh, FAIR that I like to see every year when I go to hold their feet to the fire. And uh, that is Ira Melman. And, and Ira, how you doing, brother? I hadn't talked to you in a while. Things going good for you? Everything's going well. Good to speak to you. It has been a long time. Yeah, it's been over a year because I didn't get to go last year. I've been sick, and uh, I've had things happen, and I'm finally getting well. So this year, I'll be at Hold Your Feet to the Fire. i got to talk to them, find out when it's going to be this year. But let's talk about what the Supreme Court did yesterday. A big win for President Trump. So why don't you kind of set the table here, Ira? Tell everybody what went down. 
Well, first of all, it, it was much less of a big win for President Trump than it was for American taxpayers. Uh, the Trump administration has been trying to implement laws that have been passed by Congress many times that say if you come to the United States as a legal immigrant, we expect you to be self-sufficient. And that has not been happening. You have more than half of all immigrant-headed households in the United States now relying on at least one form of public welfare. And the president said, look, we are going to start defining reliance on public welfare the way Congress intended. And these are laws that go back all the way to the 1880s. And so, uh, you know, like everything else, the uh, opposition, the people who support open immigration uh, litigated this. They managed to find an activist judge who slapped an injunction, not just in the jurisdiction that he was responsible for, uh, but the entire nation. And the Supreme Court yesterday said, no, you can't do that. Uh, you know, this can be litigated in the courts, but you cannot have every judge in America exercising veto power over what the president is doing. So it, it is important on two levels. Number one, it's going to save the American taxpayers a lot of money. And number two, it has sent a message, at least Neil Gorsuch did in his opinion, that judges around the country simply can't exercise veto power over uh, political matters. Uh, 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 it, it seems, this is Paul Calvert here, it seems that the, the courts have, have been pretty far out of control in, in that they've gotten this notion in their minds that these little tin-horn dictator judges can can delete code. And I'm sorry, they need some accountability there. Well, the problem is, and I, Ira probably will agree, and I know, Carl, you would, is that you got a small-time judge somewhere that affects all of the United States with some kind of decision yeah, that the they judge make. is put in charge of one jurisdiction and yet he issues an injunction that's nationwide that can't be right no that's that's uh, they have the they have the power to deal with individual cases just like juries have the power to nullify law in individual cases I'm sorry I don't believe they have constitutional authority to delete code or to repeal laws. And, and they laws. have no problem finding a power. judge that will veto anything Trump does or anything a conservative president does. They can always find a judge because the vast that will majority, the vast majority of judges are attorneys, and the vast majority of attorneys are left wing nut jobs. All right, so Ira, well, that's that maybe a little <laughs> exaggeration. Ira, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is my that. power panel, Ira. Just so you'll know, talk about the Immigration and Nationality Act. Well, the Immigration and Nationality Act governs how we run our immigration system. Uh, it does need some amending and updating, but it has been very, very clear for a long time that the law was intended to exclude people who are likely to become public charges. And when you have more than half of uh, immigrant-headed households relying on public welfare, that's an indication that we are not enforcing the law. Uh, and, you, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you do have these judges around the country and the advocates for uh, the immigrants know who those judges are. They always seem to wind up in their courtrooms. Uh, they know that the judge will slap an injunction on it. That, and that, quite frankly, is part of the strategy. In many cases, they don't expect to win these cases on the merits. What they're trying to do is run the clock. Uh, they, the longer they can delay implementation of these programs, uh, the the better off they are. Uh, they're hoping the clock runs out. They'll have a more friendly president to their point of view, and they'll move on from there. So that, that needs to stop. And Neil Gorsuch, in his concurring opinion yesterday, made it clear that this is not the way that the system was designed to work. 
Now, let, let's talk a little, let's dig a little further into this. I don't know if you all have pushed the numbers around and come up. Do you have any idea how much money is on the American uh, taxpayer over the years for immigrants or I- even illegal immigrants who have become public charges of our system of governance here in the United States? Have you guys got even a ballpark figure on that? Well, we, we've done some estimates on the cost of illegal immigration, and, and that I should add that that includes their U.S.-born kids who are uh, U.S. citizens under the current interpretation of the 14th Amendment, but Correct. would not be here if not for the fact that their parents were violating the law. And that number is about $135 billion every year. Every year? Uh, every year, yeah. So they, these are recurring costs. You so know, does you that, at the does that include about, public education? It, yes, it yeah, these are all. So it's not all public welfare, but the, these are the aggregate costs uh, of having illegal aliens uh, and their U.S.-born kids in American society. Uh, when you start looking at legal immig- immigrants, I, we don't have quite uh, as firm a grasp on the numbers. But you look at programs like Medicaid; uh, those, you know, the, we know that health care is enormously expensive. Uh, there's a variety of mean tests means-tested programs, plus the fact that if the family falls below the po- you know, certain um, income levels, uh, then you can have um, you know, U.S.-born children claim benefits based on that. So it, 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 whatever it is, it, it is an enormous figure, and the American public has to basically shell out every single year. And that was clearly not what the law was intended. The problem is that in 1996, Congress did reaffirm this. Uh, they, you know, as recently as 1996, Congress enacted laws saying you cannot be a public charge. The Clinton administration at the time uh, limited what they considered to be dependence on public welfare to a very, very small group of cash assistance programs, which is wholly unrealistic. Most public assistance comes in the form uh, of non-cash benefits, and the Clinton administration wrote rules that kind of skirted that. And so the Trump administration has now come along and said, no, we legitimately should count that as well. And, you know, we're we're going to litigate that in the court. But in the meantime, as a result of the Supreme Court ruling yesterday, the Trump administration can implement its plan while it's got well fought out in the lower courts. I have a question for Ira, please. This is Carl Kimball, Ira. Uh, And when my late father-in-law and my late mother-in-law came here with their family in 1962 fleeing from Castro's tyranny, they were required to prove that they were not going to be public charges and that they had someone to stay with and that they had prospects of being able to earn a living and uh, be self-sufficient before they could be allowed into the country. And my question for you is really, when did that change? I thought that's the way it had been from time immemorial. When did it change so that immigrants didn't have to show that they were going to be self-sufficient? Well, the law has not changed. What has changed is our failure to enforce it. Uh, Ah. In addition to the immigrants themselves having to, you know, commit to this uh the sponsors also have right and you know you have american citizens who have signed documents saying if the people that are coming to the country that i'm sponsoring don't uh make it on their own that i'm going to bear the cost and it it is virtually never enforced and so you know the, the administration is now saying that we are going to look objectively at the likelihood that somebody is going whether they're going to be able to be self-sufficient and make a determination based on those objective facts. 
you, you know, we can reasonably assume that somebody who does not have much education has job skills that are not much in demand are likely to wind up uh, consuming all sorts of government benefits. And that was what the law was intended to do. It was intended to make sure that the American public was not going to be responsible for taking care of people who come to the United States but can't take care of themselves. So good right. law, no enforcement. Yeah. Ira, I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk further with you. R.D. Hopper, another member of my power panel, has another question. I want to get into talking about self-sufficiency and how Americans feel about that and how they feel. And then you break down for my listeners how, uh, you know, the social safety net uh, will be, uh, you know, taken care of. However, we don't want to put people in that net who are coming from another country. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Special guest with us this half hour, Ira Melman. I'm going to hold on to this, Ira, this half hour. I'm going to replay it again later on in the week uh, to keep people up on why this is so important. Ira Melman is with the Federation for American Immigration Reform or FAIR. Uh, If you want to know more about uh, illegal immigration and what we should be requiring for legal immigration, go to FAIR, F-A-I-R-U-S, one word, FAIRUS.org. With that, R.D., you had a question for Ira. Yes, Ira, I had a a good friend that, that brought a wife over from Russia, uh, during the George uh, W. Bush era, and he did have to sign that he would be uh, legally and financially responsible uh, for this lady that he brought over and that uh, that she would not de- be dependent on the government in any way. So it looks like kind of like uh, Bill Clinton. It depends on what the definitions <laughs> is of is is. So uh, is there any way to get this where the interpretation interpretation and it's carried, carried out equally between different uh, presidents? Well, look, I mean, the failure to enforce the sponsorship provisions uh, predates Bill Clinton. It, it, is, it goes back 40 or 50 years. It, it has been ignored under Democratic presidents, Republican presidents, and the people who suffer as a result are obviously the American taxpayers. We have got to demonstrate that when... We say to a sponsor, you're going to sign on the, bottom, on the dotted line there and commit to taking care of the people you bring to the country that we mean it. Uh, the other thing that we need to do is obviously to change the nature of our legal immigration policy. Right now, it is primarily based on endless family chain migration. Uh, people come to the country. They not only bring their spouses and minor children, but they can petition for a whole range of extended relatives. And we allow them to sign these sponsorship documents, knowing that they barely have enough money to support themselves, much less uh, all the people that they're sponsoring to come to the United States. What we need is a merit-based immigration system. And by the way, your Senator Tom Cotton has a bill in Congress called the RAISE Act that would move us toward a merit-based immigration system where we would select people based on objective assessments of their ability to succeed in the United States. And that would go a long way towards solving this problem. So uh, there are remedies out there, uh, but they are being ignored. Mitch McConnell has shown no inclination to bring this bill to the floor. So, um, you you know, there are some good good ideas out there, but the the problem is our political system is taking advantage of them. All right. So do me a favor, Ira, and let people know, you know, the numbers, the percentages of uh, how many households headed by an immigrant 
how much welfare they're using, things of that nature. And then let's talk a little bit more about that merit-based uh, immigration system raise that uh, Tom Cotton wants to get in, but nobody, it doesn't seem like in either party, uh, has the intestinal fortitude to pass. Well, I, the numbers that I've seen is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 60% of immigrant-headed households rely on at least one form of welfare. That's ridiculous. Uh, and that obviously does. It is. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. That doesn't even include, you know, we talked about things like public education and programs like that, which obviously, uh, you know, we massive, have to massive welfare programs. Once, yeah. Once we get here, once they get here. Uh, but that, that is the way that the system has played out because we don't have a system in place that looks at people's likelihood to succeed or even takes into account the likelihood that the sponsor is going to be able to afford to, to honor his or her commitments. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's kind of pointless to go after somebody for money when they, we know they don't have it. Mm-hmm. So what we need is an overhaul of our immigration system. Uh, we need to enact legislation such as the RAISE Act that Tom Cotton has sponsored. But uh, you, you've got to get Congress to buck the special interests that have been standing in the way. You know, there are a lot of people who benefit from the status quo. Uh, they see that, you know, the current flow provides them with low-cost labor, which is not the same as cheap labor. Uh, it's not cheap because somebody else is paying the bills, namely the American taxpayers. That's right. And that needs to change. All right. So with that, the thing that really struck me in uh, when I was reading the information sent to me is that half of all immigrant-headed households include at least one person who uses Medicaid. How many immigrant-headed households do we have in the United States? Do we know? I, I don't I, I don't know uh, the precise number, but there is something in the order of about 47 million foreign-born residents of the United States. So, you know, we're, we're talking in the tens of millions probably. Okay, and so when people look and see how much Medicaid is costing this country just – Take a moment, take a breath, in fact, to figure out that a lot of that is for immigrant families who came here and are living off of your money as well. Yeah, and that was not the way the system was designed to be. Uh, And, you know, as recently as I said, it's 1996, Congress reaffirmed that. Uh, And then it was gutted in the uh, regulation writing process. And what the Trump administration is now saying is that we have to go back to the intent of the law. The intent of the law was to protect the, the interests of the American people, including their financial interests, and that is not being done. Uh, the Supreme Court, as we discussed, said that you know the Trump administration can implement this policy while it's being fought out in the lower courts, and that we should not allow uh, a handful of activist judges to have veto power over the executive branch or the legislative branch. All right. Ira Melman, he's with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. I've known him for years. As you can tell, he knows his stuff. If you want to read uh, more of the information that they have over at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, go to FairUS. That's one word, FairUS.org. Educate yourself and educate your friends and neighbors about this as well. Ira, thanks so much for the time. I do appreciate it. Anytime. Good to speak with you. All righty. Bye-bye now. Ira Melman here. He was great. On the Dave Ellswick Show. He's a good man, and he knows his stuff.
You yeah. really he's been, he put his he's, finger on the problem. Yeah, he's been doing this for thirty years. And 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 I think one of the most telling things that he said, and I know he is right, and that is that Republican and Democrat administrations both have failed to protect the American yes, people's absolutely. interests and in this regard. Here's the other thing I know: you cannot allow your borders to be swarmed by people from other countries if you have a social, quote, safety net for your citizenry it's, it's and allow if, them it, to be able to use it. Even if, you them don't, even if you don't have a social safety net, you can't afford that. This is exactly what happened to the Roman Empire. They lost control of their borders, and people that didn't have any interest in being assimilated into their culture swarmed mm-hmm. across them and took over large swaths to live the way they wanted to. And they were lost to their civilization because they were overwhelmed by immigrants that came in with no controls whatsoever. That's, what, that's what's happening. The hordes. That's what's happening with Texas from with California. That's what's happening. Exactly, yeah. It it, it, it's harder for Mexicans to get into Texas than it is the Californians. And the Californians are doing more damage to Texas yeah. right, right that's now what, than the Mexicans We need are. to build yeah. the wall on the east side of California. Hey, yeah. that's what's happening in England Just from Lake Tahoe right all the way yeah. down <laughs> ahead, to the Baja, right? right? That's what's that happening in England. That's the final word here. Yeah, that's what's happening in England right now, and that's the reason you have Brexit, because they want to control their borders and Amen. control the destiny of their country. You're exactly right. And I don't know if it's not too late. It's too late in France. In France, the birth rate amongst French is so low that within, I think they said, 50 years, Less than that. That would yeah. be a majority Muslim? Yes, it would be a That's majority Muslim country. It, 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 we're within 10 years of Denmark, Holland, and Belgium becoming So get ready for the Muslim. spires to go up and to hear the call to yeah. prayers. It's yeah. going to happen. It's not going to be just in little areas. It's going to be over their whole countries. Yeah. And I know there's the people saying, European Dave, civilization. Dave, you just hate Muslims. No, it's not about hating Muslims. Do I not like their religion? You better believe I don't like their religion. It's evil. It has, evil. Its, own, it has its own source of government and its own rules for yeah, government, but it's evil. and it does not and, fit the and, Constitution. And, and it's different yes. from any other religion because it is a religion, it is an economic system, and it is a political system, and the religion requires that you have the economic and political systems too, and the religion allows you to lie to infidels in order to advance those goals. So they can make so, everybody which capitulate is, Which to is them. why you cannot have a believing Muslim who will be assimilable to American civilization. Because they'll say they are, but they're not. They're allowed to say they're allowed to tell us that they're that they're assimilated. I know that's what that's what and, I'm saying. And, and if you if you call yourself a Muslim and you don't believe in in uh, Muhammad's uh, divinity, then the perfectly fine. But if you believe that Muhammad was the perfect man and everything he said was so and everything in his holy book is so, then you can't be assimilated into American society because you've got a religious obligation to overthrow our constitution and replace it with sharia law it's exactly right all right we're out of time Special. thanks for inviting wow. me Dave. we stopped we stopped there just so you had something to go home and be really ticked off about <laughs> all right. it's the dave ellswick show hey i'll be back with you tomorrow at two o'clock it's a wednesday edition i don't know exactly who all my my guests are going to be except to tell you that joe and duck will be here and we'll be uh, having them join us at 4 o'clock. i got a lot of other things I'm sure we'll 
we'll be talking about. R.D., thank you so much for coming today. Enjoyed it, Dave. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thanks appreciate you having here. I will invite you in the morning. You'll just have to tell me you can't get up. And then, uh, Paul, I'll see you yes, uh, next uh, Monday. Monday morning. And, R.D., I'll see you Monday as well. All right. Early, bright and Sounds early. Always a pleasure to be yeah, with you, we'll get started next week for this power panel at six o'clock in the morning. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM, the answer, and of course, we're the home of Rush Limbaugh.